to see you this morning. Praise the Lord. Amen. As you're all separated by, you know, six or so feet from each other, man, it is good to see you today. Praise the Lord. Well, welcome to another uh, weekly edition of Studio Church here at uh, Desert Stream. We can't wait until it's no longer studio and it's the full thing and the full expression of the body. We can't wait to see kids running around at the front again, worshiping the Lord. We can't wait to have children's program. We can't wait for young families. How many can't wait for it to be back together? Amen? So we need to pray for an end to this thing. We need to pray God wipes this virus from the face of the planet Earth. Amen? And that restores peace instead of fear in the midst of his people. We need to be people of, of his perfect love. And the Bible says his perfect love casts out what? All fear. So if we know the love of God, then we do not have fear. Amen? Praise the Lord. Well, hopefully there's still some camera people left. Hi to this camera over here. How are you doing? Hi to those two back there. <laughs> Hi to this one over here. Uh, I got one person standing here, and that's Jess. How are you doing, Jess? Good, good to see you this morning. Good to see you. Praise the Lord. Well, you know, I want to continue this morning. Uh, talking about our need for uh, people around us in the body of Christ. And if you remember, we've been talking about, uh, you know, three questions that everybody needs the answer to in their life, right? Whose we are, who we are, and to whom we are called to do life with. You know, the answer to whose we are is simple, right? We belong to the Lord. Everybody say, I belong to the Lord. It is the greatest revelation that every person must have. When we recognize we belong to the Lord, then forever our identity is secure. I am a daughter. I am a son of the Most High God. Therefore, I will not be shaken. Doesn't matter what happens in life. I am a son or daughter, a beloved child of the King. My identity is secure in Him. Amen? So when we're talking about whose am I, we are talking about an identity question. Who's my daddy? It's the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? And so once we get that settled, our identity as a son or daughter of God forever puts us in a place of perpetual strength and peace. The second question is, who am I? And when we talk about who am I, most people... That's where they find their identity. But you shouldn't be finding your identity in who you are, in who God created you uniquely to be. Instead, you find your purpose in who you are. So that you know your identity is in the Lord Jesus Christ, but your purpose is in who God uniquely made you to be. And you know what? Here's the beautiful thing about purpose. It can change. Right? You might start off with a whole host of different talents and gifts and abilities, and God may use one set for the first half of your life and a second set for the second half of your life. But your identity is in Christ, so what your purpose is can change, and you're like, you're okay with that because I know whose I am, amen? My identity is secure. Well, the third question that most believers, unfortunately, never get to is the question we started talking about last week, and that is, you know, to whom am I called to do life with? And this question isn't about identity or purpose. This question is about alignment. Who am I 
called by God, who has he asked me to align my life with? And whether we want to admit it or not, as human beings, we are all connected to other people. Now, you you might say, no, no, I'm a self-made man or woman. Nobody's truly a self-made man or woman. Everybody is the byproduct of the relationships and the investments that have been made in their life. And so everybody has relational connections. If you're married, you're connected to your spouse. If you're not, come and see my wife and I afterwards. We'll have a chat with you because you need to be connected to your spouse. Amen? And, uh, you know, if you have children, you're connected to your children. Your children are connected to you. If you have friends, you are connected to those friends. I mean, we all need to have people that we are connected to. If you're part of a church family like here, then you are part of a family, wrinkles and all. Amen? And we all have to understand that we are interconnected. Now, we will admit that, say, yes, I'm interconnected, but do I recognize that and live that purposefully? Do I seek out intentional alignments in my life? That is what the third question is asking. To whom am I called to do life? It's about being purposeful with your alignments. Barry, Barry and Tammy have been with us for about 20 years. They took a little, maybe a little more than that, took a little brief hiatus and they were on the territory for a few years working uh, with uh, the pastor on the territory. But, you know, they came back here. Their kids have been part of our family. And, uh, you know, we've been interconnected. I was, I was over at Barry's the other day. I was going to watch the basketball game with him. I walked over the house. I walked in. Nobody was home. I went downstairs. I turned on the TV, sat back, uh, turn, you know, watched the basketball game. Barry came along 45 minutes later. I just made myself at home and watched the basketball game because we're interconnected, right? And over the years, God has raised Barry up and has used him as a a voice to the nations. He has spoke literally all around the world. And people say, why are you still at Desert Stream? You could move to Nashville like all the singers do, or you could do this, or you could do that. But it's because Barry and Tammy are purposeful about connectedness, that we have been connected together, and we've walked together, we've had each other's back, we have uh, communed together. It's about being purposeful with your alignment. And being purposeful with your alignments brings about the best fruit in your life. Someone say amen. So last week we started talking about that and the need for us to all have alignments that are around us, people that are around us that are literally the greatest source of protection we have. And, you know, we think in the scripture when the Bible talks about being surrounded by a cloud of witnesses, it talks about being protected, it talks about having those that go before us and who are beside us. We, we instead think of all the angelical references to that. And those are true and those are many. But, you know, I think the one that's the most significant is to look for the relational connections that are around your life. You know, the Bible has many references that we too often ignore that show us that the best way to not just survive but to thrive is to acknowledge the connections that you need in your life to each other. Every believer, and hear this this morning, and this is what we started talking about last week, every believer needs a spiritual father or mother. Every believer needs brothers and sisters who have become dear friends walking beside them. And every believer eventually needs spiritual sons and daughters that are walking in their protection and following in their legacy. 
Our spiritual father goes in front of us. Our spiritual mother goes before us. They clear a path for us. They, they make it so that when we walk out our journey of life, we're not uh, you know, tripping over all of these obstacles. They make it easier for us. Barry and I like to say all the time that we want to create a platform for our sons to be able to stand on and to launch into a greater life and greater success than we walked into. That's our desire as a father. And every father should want that, physical and spiritual. Amen? Then we, all, we also need our sides covered by our brothers and sisters so that if we do stumble or if we do fall, we have somebody beside us to help pick us up, dust us off, give us a hug, send us on our way. We need those. We need those. And then our back is covered by our sons, those who are following our example, who are committed to our path, so that if we even make a mistake as a spiritual father, somebody is going to say, hey, that's my daddy. And yeah, he may have messed up today, but I love him and I have his back. All right? Do you understand what I'm saying? This is the way our lives are meant to be protected. It's by the ones that we do life with. That's been God's plan all along. If you're a Lone Ranger Christian, then guess what? You're exposed. You're vulnerable, open to attack from the enemy. You know, the reason we lose so many people along the way in the journey called life is because they're aligned to no one. They have no father going before them, so they stumble along a path of life. They, they end up uh, stumbling and falling, and, and then once they fall, because they had no father, they also have no uh, brothers or sisters to help pick them back up and help give them that assurance, give them that affection, give them that love that they're going to need to be able to dust themselves off and move forward. And then they have no spiritual children. They have no sons, no daughters covering their back, no one to defend them, and no one making a demand on them. Because one of the beautiful things about having sons and daughters is that they, they make a demand on you. Barry and Tammy have been meeting with a group of spiritual sons and daughters for many years now. And, and I think one of the things that keeps them hard after God is that those lives are making a demand on them. They're saying, we need, we need something from you. We need help, encouragement, strength. We need you to, to go before us to show us the way. And that demand keeps us in a place where we want to leave a healthy legacy. You know, it's no different than in the physical realm. You know, there's many times when we, we uh, keep our marital vows and we keep our commitments to our spouse, not because we feel romantically connected in the moment. How many know what I'm talking about? How many of your spouses ever made you so mad you're just like, oh, that man or that woman? How many know what I'm talking about, right? <laughs> Holly, I think you're a little too young for that to be the case, but uh, I appreciate the hand. But, you know... The reality is every one of us has experienced that. If, if you're in a, a long-term committed relationship, a spouse, you've got somebody there, you know what I'm talking about. But why do you stay with your spouse? You stay with them because the reality is it's the best legacy to leave with your children. And then you discover once you work through it, once you, you have that anchor keeping you to the path, beautiful fruit comes in your life and your children's lives and you're able to leave legacy. Amen? And so our own physical children are making a demand on us to walk a particular path. Then so do spiritual children make a demand on us to walk a particular path. All right. So, in short, 
If you are living a Lone Ranger Christianity, then you are an orphan. Everybody say orphan. And the orphan spirit is a profound problem in our Western culture. And you don't have to be a physical orphan to be a spiritual orphan. In our relationally dysfunctional society today, we have all kinds of people walking around as orphans, relationally disconnected and pulling away from the very kind of love and connection that they need in order to maximize their potential in life. Very few of us want to open up ourselves to somebody who would have the authority to speak into our life. You know, the very first words we learn almost as a little kid is, I do myself, right? That's that, that defiant spirit coming out, and yet the reality is you, you, you walk through your whole life talking like a two-year-old, I do myself, and the reality is you don't do it yourself. You do it with the help of those that you align your life with. And that's why those choices need to be intentional. Everybody say intentional. Those choices need to be intentional. And you have to make those choices and you have to make them intentional. Now, last week we, we closed off looking at a verse and I want to uh, look at this passage again this morning. Uh, John chapter 17, uh, beginning at verse 4. And I'm going to read this this morning to you. It says, I have glorified you on earth. This is Jesus praying to the Father. I finished the work that you have given me to do. And now, O Father, glorify me together with yourself with the glory which I had with you before the world was. I have manifested your name to the men whom you have given me out of the world. They are yours, you gave them to me, and they have kept your word. Now they have known all things which you have given me are from you. For I have given to them the words which you have given me, and they have received them, and have surely known surely that I came forth from you, and they have believed that you sent me. Now, an old friend of Tony Fitzgerald's, who had been a spiritual father in the land, but in his older years had become Tony's spiritual son. He'd realized even in his older years that he needed somebody that could still, he could still look to and draw from. And so he uh, recognized the maturity of Tony, and he said, you know, I, I want to just... Uh, be, be a son to you? Would you just love on me and father me? And Tony just said, yes, I'd be happy to do that. And then he, you know, when he was getting on in years, he said to Tony, he said, I'm an old man now. What does God have for me now? What work does he have for me? And Tony said, what if your work is done? It's like, can you actually say that to people? What if your work is done? Well, you know, Jesus' work was done, and it was done before he ever went to the cross. Jesus said, verse 4, I have finished the work you've given me to do. I finished the work. Isn't that something? Now, he hadn't completed his full mission. He hadn't, uh, you know, sacrificed his life for us, but the work that he had to do, he said, I've completed the work. Now I can go on and, you know, complete the mission, but I've completed the work. And how many know that a lot of times you got to do the work before you can do the mission, right? And a lot of the work is working on my personal self, working on my relationships, working on the things that God gives to me, and then my life can be fulfilled, and God's mission, whatever that might be, might also be able to be fulfilled. But you got to complete the work. So what was the work that Jesus 
had completed. He wasn't obviously referring to the cross because he hadn't went to the cross yet, but he said, I've completed the work that you gave me to do. Well, he answers the question in verse six. He says, I have manifested, here's the work he completed. I've manifested your name to the men whom you have given me out of this world. The work that Jesus had completed was to reveal the nature of the father to these men And Jesus became their spiritual father so that they in turn could go and replicate his ministry of reconciliation to the world. Jesus' work was relational and he completed the relational work. He did the hard work that relationship requires so that he could invest himself in another generation. But our culture is task-oriented. We're task-obsessed. And even when it comes to our spirituality, we're task-obsessed. Lord, what do you got for me to do? And if the pastor doesn't come up and give me my task, he doesn't love me. The pastor, pastor, does he not appreciate my gifts? Does he not appreciate my abilities? But maybe what we're looking for isn't task. Maybe what we're looking for is relationship. Maybe we're looking to see where your relationships are at. Maybe we're observing your life because we need to know that there's health and that there's a wholeness and that there's intentionality in you seeking out relationships in the body of Christ. Because the reality is, is that many times people pick up these tasks and they haven't done the relational work first. And then the task falls apart. Do you hear me this morning? Task has to come after relationship. I like to say this way, assignment comes after alignment. You can write that down, right? Assignment comes after alignment. We're obsessed with the assignment, but we want to do it without alignment. No, it's not the kingdom way. That's not the kingdom way. The assignment, you know, of going to the cross came after three years of alignment of Jesus pouring his life into his disciples they followed him. They watched him teach and preach. They, they fed multitudes together. They did all kinds. They watched Jesus do relational life for three years. And only at the end of the three years, just before he was to go to the cross, Jesus sent them out two by two and said, go preach and teach and do these things. And then bring back the report of how it's going. But it was all relationship first, alignment before assignment. Are you hearing me this morning? Does it make any sense to anybody? All right. Now, when Jesus completed his assignment and went to the cross, all right, the work of relationship alignment had been done long before that. And then he was able to complete his assignment and go to the cross and die for you and I. But the beautiful thing is, even though Jesus' uh, uh, work with the disciples was done relationally, And then he went to the cross. His influence was infinite. And you and I are the same. If we can get alignment down, then we can fulfill our assignments and our legacy will live on forever. But alignment has to come first. Everybody say, first. It's got to come first. If you go through your Christian life bouncing from ministry to ministry, job to job, and you don't have those relational alignments, you're going to find almost every time that those assignments are unfulfilling, that they don't produce the fruit that you were looking for, you're going to be disappointed, and you're going to be frustrated, and the reason is because 
you've got, what do they say, the, the cart before the horse, right? You understand what I'm saying? God is saying to you today, listen to me in this body this morning. Listen to me watching online. Alignment comes first. Make sure you've got those relationships that we've talked about in your life and functioning and operating first. And when you do, then God can, he can fulfill any assignment through a life that's done the relational work first. Amen? But you got to do it first. All right. So what's the relational work that you and I have to do? What do we have to do? Well, first of all, every one of us needs to live as a spiritual son. Now, in a, in a healthy, perfect world, we all had wonderful moms and dads who were great spiritual leaders and were able to tuck in behind them and our physical parents are also our spiritual parents. But you know what? Not every area of your life spiritually can even be fulfilled by the best uh, healthy physical parents. So sometimes it's also good to have another life, another person that you have as a spiritual parent. But regardless of whether it's your physical parent or somebody else, you need somebody who you're following, that you're drawing upon, who's, you know, carving a path out for you. You need a spiritual father or mother in your life. Well, then some people, I have people come to me all the time, well, I don't know who my spiritual father is. I don't know who my spiritual mother is. How do I, how do I, how do I know who that is? Well, I'm going to help you this morning. Let's break it down to some simple, smaller questions. All right? Ask yourself this question. Who loves me unconditionally? <laughs> Thank you, Holly. Holly loves me unconditionally. <laughs> Who cares for you? Right? Who invests in you? Look around in your life and see who loves me unconditionally. Who cares for me? Who's investing in me? If your world was falling apart, who would you call? Probably the most powerful question you can ask, and it's a difficult question to ask, but the most powerful one to determine who a spiritual father or mother is in your life is this. If you today were in moral failure, who would you entrust your heart to to restore you? Whoever that person is, you can bet that person is a spiritual father or mother in your life. If you had done something, you know, you'd you had robbed a bank or you had, you know, uh, told a lie that was being exposed in the paper. You'd, I don't know, any kind of a moral failure, relational or anything. Who would you go to that you know would restore you and love you and bring you back to a place of health? That person is a spiritual father or mother. I know it's, it's, it's hypothetical, but I think it helps us to understand the nature of what it needs for some, uh, somebody to be, to be a spiritual father or mother in our life. It needs to be someone that you trust. Everybody say trust. trust. Trust is the foundation of it. You know, when it comes to physical parents, isn't that how the relationship begins? Completely rooted in trust. You know, the kid's up two years old and standing up on a bunk bed. And, 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 and if you even walk in the room, they'll just jump because they just trust that you're going to catch them, Right? And sometimes they jump and you're not even looking or paying attention. Like, ah, you know, and you grab the kid because they are living by trust. In fact, they understand trust long before they understand love. They trust. And when that trust is violated by a parent, it's one of the greatest breaches that there is in a person's life. And so hard for a child to, to develop trust in anyone else if it's been violated by parents. Are right, you hearing me this morning? 
And so a spiritual father, mother is somebody that you trust your life to. Is somebody that you trust your life to. We need, everybody needs to have somebody in their life, speaking into their life that they've given the keys of their heart to so that you can ask them any question. That's why you don't have 20 spiritual fathers and mothers. You have one, maybe two. But they need to be, they need to be few and they need to be people who are really invested in your life. So that, that that person, you could ask them anything and you could also lay your life out and say, speak anything you want into my life. If you don't have that person in your life, you are only uh, literally a, one small stumble away from dashing your foot, as the scripture says, against a stone and, and having carnage in your life. You need to have that person there. One of the first things they do in Celebrate Recovery, they may not call them a spiritual father or mother, but what do you get somebody to have, Mark? A sponsor. Why? Because they understand the importance of having somebody in your life that when you're in a difficult time, a difficult temptation coming up to you, you pick up the phone, you call the person, and you say, I need help. It's a spirit. You could call those sponsors spiritual fathers and mothers. Are you hearing me this morning? We need to have one in our life. Second thing you need is that you need uh, to connect yourself to spiritual brothers and sisters that you call dear friends, people that you're walking out your life with. These are people that you can pray with, uh, walk in accountability with. These are people we seek to both encourage and in turn encourage us. These are people with shared values. It's difficult to have deep friendships with people whose values are very different than yours. How many know that, right? Real simple thing. If, you, if you're somebody who, who's very budget conscious and you like to live your life by a very strict budget, it's hard to have a friendship with somebody who's just out spending money hand over fist. Saying, come on, man, let's go. Let's do this. Let's do that. It's hard, right? And that's just one small example, but there are so many areas where we need to have shared values. They need to be people who lift us up rather than drag us down. Yeah, you, you don't mind if they're drawn on you, but they can't be people who are, well, what's the word? We used to say there's two kinds of people in life. Sappers, those who sap the energy out of you, and zappers, those who zap energy into you, right? And they need to be somebody who's more zapped than sap. Do you know what I'm saying? That's the kind of people that are good friends, that they're more zapped than sap, all right? These are people that bring out the best in you. So if you've got a close friend, but you know, you get together with that close friend, the next thing you know, you're both sucking back four or five pints and you're, you're doing things you shouldn't be doing. That's not a good influence and a good friend. Are you hearing me? It needs to be somebody who brings out the best in you. Somebody who encourages you to be more. Who encourages you to be a better husband, a better wife, a better father, a better mother, a better friend. And these are people, finally, that you can be yourself with that you don't have to put on a show. They're people that you can be you and they'll accept you as you. That doesn't mean they won't call on you to move higher up and further in, but they'll still accept you right where you are and then take the journey with you together to go deeper in Christ. Does everybody understand that this morning? We need those people in our life. Without them, when you stumble and fall, who's there to help you? Who's there to, to nurture you? Who's there to encourage you? Who's there to tell you it's going to be all right? There'll be another tomorrow. Today is not the end. Are you hearing me this morning? 
And finally, we all need, at some point in our life, and this is probably going to come when you're a little older, you've been walking with the Lord a while, but you all need spiritual sons and daughters. You need somebody that's drawing on your life. I want to show you an interesting thing about Jesus. If you look in the book of Isaiah, chapter 9, verse 6, it's a famous Christmas verse. We read this one a lot, you know, when it comes to the announcement of the birth of Christ, and it gets read at a lot of Christmas Eve services. But I want you to hear what's in this verse. It's mind-blowing that this is in this verse. All right, but listen to what it says. For unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. And the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful, Counselor, right? Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Now, did you catch that? In Jesus' own journey, in Jesus' own journey, in this one prophetic utterance about Isaiah 9, 6, speaking to what Christ would be before he ever came, hundreds of years before he ever came, that he would be a child, a son. He would first of all be a child, a son. He would be born a son, right? Unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. Jesus started as a son. But then he was called wonderful counselor, a friend who walks beside you. He was a wonderful counselor to the disciples as they walked the shores of Galilee He spoke wisdom into their lives. He imparted into into them. But it didn't end there. You get to these wonderful counsel, mighty God, the everlasting Father. Jesus was a son, a friend, and a father. He showed us exactly what I'm talking about this morning. That Jesus set the pattern for us. That he knew what it was to live as a son, but he also knew what it was to live as a friend who was giving counsel and encouragement along the journey, and he also knew what it was to become a father. And even though he never physically had children, he had spiritual children, and he raised them for the glory of God. And that's why he was able to say, before he ever went to the cross, Father, I've completed the work you gave me to do. I came into the world as a son. I've been a wonderful counselor and friend, and now I've been a father to these men. I'm ready to go. Let's do the assignment now. I got the alignment down. Let's go do the assignment. Amen? You got, if you can get this in your life, it changes everything. Honestly, it changes everything. Wow. Okay. Understand, when it comes to uh, these relationships, it's, it, it's father, son, you know, friends. It, it's not mentoring. And I hear people say all the time, well, you need to have a mentor. No. Uh, you, you, don't, you don't need a mentor spiritually. A mentor is, you know, if you want to become a carpenter, you go out and you get a mentor. You don't have, to have a spiritual connection with that person. They're teaching you how to use a hammer, saw, uh, teaching you about weight loads and how to frame things and stuff like that. That's what a mentor does. A mentor teaches you things. They, the mentor connects with your, your head, with your mind, and, and imparts skills to you. What you need is more than a mentor. You need a spiritual father, and you need spiritual sons. Tony Fitzgerald's spiritual sons that he has are, 
are deeply invested in the business world around, all around the world. He has one of them that's building power plants uh, and, and, then he, and, and another one that's building shipping docks in Africa. Uh, and, you know, and the reality is Tony could not mentor them. He doesn't know anything about construction. He doesn't know anything about industry. He doesn't know anything about international trade or any of those things. He cannot mentor them, but he can father them. He doesn't need to know that stuff as a father. What he needs to know is their heart, and he needs to be able to impart the values in them that will help them be the best contractor, importer, exporter, whatever builder that they can possibly be because they do it with values. They do it with integrity. They do it with the things that a father can pour into them. To mentor them, he'd have to have their knowledge and share in that world, but he doesn't need that in order to be a spiritual father. So our real work as Christians is to replicate our heart in other people, not our abilities. And yet so many times I see, you know, programs in churches where we're going to teach people about spiritual gifts and we're going to teach people how to serve and we're going to teach people how to teach and we're going to teach people how to do and we're going to teach, 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 teach. And teaching is a wonderful gift. But do we help people know how to do life? You know, we're so focused on mentoring that we miss that God's actually calling us to family, to something far more powerful than mentoring, to fathering, to brothers and sisters, to sons. I'm going to ask Mark to come on up here. And uh, Mark's going to be my... Yeah, you don't need that on, no. Um, okay, so let me just move the table back here a bit, Mark. There we go. Now, Mark, uh, I've known Mark for a long time now. I had the privilege of doing his and Katrina's wedding. I've known Mark for a long time because I've known Katrina since she was a teenager. And she came to our youth at, at, at Calvary when I was a youth pastor there. And my wife and I have been invested in her life for a long time, a long time. And uh, it's been a privilege for us to do so. So whenever Katrina would come home, whenever we weren't sending her to Africa or who knows where, you know, she, was, she would always just call Sherry and I up and say, can I get together? I, need, I just want to chat. And, and we didn't have the language for it at the time, but we uh, began to understand that, that we had become spiritual uh, fathers and mother to, to Katrina. And it was a privilege to be able to just influence her spiritually and to help her in that journey. Well, then when she met this guy, she started bringing him too. And it's like, can Mark and I get together with you? And, you know, and then Mark and I began this journey as well. And Mark and Katrina have walked with Sherry and I for a number of years. So Mark is going to be my guinea pig this morning. So Mark, he's an average believer in the Lord Jesus Christ. He's, he's, he's uh, walking his journey in the Lord. And, and at some point he realizes, I need somebody who is in my life that I can live accountable to, that I can, that will ask me hard questions, somebody that will go before me and make it easier for me to be able to, to have access to things in life. I need a father. So he comes and says to me, he says, Kevin, would you be a spiritual father? And I say, sure. So what, what I do, get room here, is I position myself like this and Mark tucks right along in behind me. And now Mark's got a spiritual father going before him. And so where Mark sees me go, he's able to go. The things that he sees me do, he's able to do. The, the, the doorways that I open, he's able to walk right through those doorways before me. And he didn't have to do a thing to open them himself. 
He's got access to, to people in our network, in the Ripple network, that he's instantly be able to connect with, not because of anything Mark's done, but because they're connections that I have as a spiritual father. So he has access to them as well. And it's a beautiful thing that he has that, right? And so Mark has a spiritual father. Yeah. Hey, son, how are you doing? Good. I just... <laughs> so, but then in this journey, Mark knows that he needs people that can also walk beside him. And so he develops deep friendships. He comes here to Belleville and he starts to develop friendships, people that he can do life with, people that he can be encouraged by and they can encourage him. They, may, they don't have any responsibility to open doors for him or to do those kinds of things that a father does, but when he goes through those doors, somebody will walk with him and experience life with him. So, Mark, do you have a couple yeah. people here, our brothers and sisters to you that you got that going on with? Andrew. Come on, come on up here, Andrew. And uh, Desmond's in the back there. Des, come on up, buddy. So these two guys, these are brothers that Mark's doing life with, and so he's got them, and so these guys are walking with them, all right? Come on, Des, get up here. Andrew, you're coming up. We got two Andrews. Look at that. See, we got, we, got, we got lots of fruit here. This is awesome. See, he just says the word Andrew. He's got two of them coming, just like that. So these guys are walking beside Mark, right? They're, they're walking out life with him. You know, they're, they're, they're doing that, and, and places where Mark goes, things that he does, things that he's involved in, they get involved in them too. If Mark needs help doing something in the church or ministry or whatever, he's able to call on them because he has relationship first before task. And so now they're able to come along with him. Does everybody understand what we're illustrating here? So he's got somebody going before him, right? Me, but he's also got people walking with him, all right? And it's not necessary that they necessarily see me as their spiritual father. They're doing this because they're walking in relationship with Mark. Now, as Mark grows in the Lord, there's gonna be people that will come to him and they'll, that influence will be so significant in their life and the maturity will, will, has risen up so far, Mark, that there's people that want to walk behind him as sons. Now, I don't know if there's anybody here this morning that uh, you have for that role, Mark. All right, come on up here, Spence. So the most beautiful thing is if your own physical children are also those spiritual children. And so you got Spencer up here, and Spencer's like, you know, tucks right in behind his dad. And everything that Mark has to offer, Spencer gets the benefit of. Every place that is open to Mark is open to Spencer. Everything that Mark has learned, he's able to pour into Spencer. He's able to walk that out. And so you see this dynamic happening in Mark's life. It should be replicated over and over and over again in the body of Christ. And it's not, it's not a pyramid scheme. It's not a multi-level marketing thing. There's no... There's, there's no uh, you know, formula that we've created. We don't have a chart in the office that charts it all because that's just weird because that's not relational. That's system and structure, not relationship. The kingdom of God is about relationship first and structure follows. That's the way God intended it to be, for it to be relationship first and structure second. And so when we can be purposeful about it, it's because we understand the power of relationship and what that will bring in our life. And so these, these guys all walk and benefit in relationship together because Mark made a decision. He made a decision to have spiritual father in front of him, spiritual friends with him, and to leave a legacy for spiritual sons. Does everybody understand that? Give Mark a hand this morning. That's good. Thanks, guys. Awesome. Awesome. Thanks, appreciate that. Awesome, Mark. I just wanted to give you a physical 
illustration of what this looks like spiritually. Amen? Now, let me, let me just wrap this up this morning. A farmer was out in his field with his three sons. A team of horses pulled an old wagon along as the three men picked rocks out of the ground and they threw them into the wagon. And they were picking rocks and throwing them in the wagon. And a stranger was walking by and he stopped and he watched them for a while. Watched the sons picking up the stones, throwing them in the wagon. Picking up the stones, throwing them in the wagon. Eventually he walked out into the field. He said, it's a pleasure to see a family working together. He said, but couldn't you clear this field a lot quicker if you just use better equipment? You know, if you got yourself a tractor and maybe a rake, all that kind of stuff. And the farmer paused for a moment, looked the stranger over and he said, you know, he said, I'm not raising a field. I'm raising sons. Hello? I'm not raising a field. I'm raising sons. When Jesus died on the cross, he illustrated for us how this was going to work. Here he is hanging on the cross, and he looks down and he sees John. He sees John, right? And he sees John the disciple, and he sees Mary his mother. And he does one of the most profound things in all of Scripture. He looks down and he says, Son, behold your mother. Mother, behold your son. And John moved from being just a, a, a disciple of Jesus to being part of family. And the whole understanding of mother and son and all of that just got reinforced by the Lord Jesus Christ, even as he hung on the cross. This stuff is so important that even as he's dying on the cross with his, his last breaths, Jesus is illustrating that it's all about relationship and connection. It's about fathers and sons and friends and family. That's what it's about. You can't do the spiritual journey without it. So think about yourself now. Think about your, your ministry. Is it possible that like the old farmer, you're not here to do a ministry. You're not here raising ministries. You're here raising sons and daughters. You see, we get so focused, what's my ministry? Perhaps God's not raising a ministry, what he's raising is sons and daughters. And if you'll focus on the relationships first, the ministry, the, the assignment will follow the alignment. Do you hear me this morning? I believe that God is calling the church back to that place where we put relationship first, where we walk things out, journey together. We, we, we hone this stuff out over long periods of time. And we stop moving from church to church. If you've moved from church to church and church and church, you know what you are? You're an orphan. <gasps> but you don't understand, Pastor. That church was, I don't, I don't care what the issue was. You know, the pastor was a terrible preacher. Somebody hurt your feelings, blah, 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 blah. It doesn't matter. The reality is it exposes in us this inability to make deep connections. God's saying connect with people. Do the work to make the connections. And then, once you've done the work to build those alignments, father, sons, spiritual friends, brothers, sisters, and, and spiritual sons, then, then God says, I can give you an assignment. But you gotta get it right first. 
And it exposes something in our heart when we can't just settle down. It, it doesn't matter. If you're looking for the perfect church to make those commitments in, I have news for you. It does not exist. It doesn't exist. And if it does exist and you find it and you walk through the door, you ruined it because it's not perfect anymore because you just came in. Fact. Fact. So accept the fact that there's no perfect church, but there are churches filled with people that you could build a relationship with, that you could, you could develop these kind of relationships as fathers, as brothers and sisters and sons, and you could walk out a fulfilled life with proper alignments, and then you'd be able to complete all kinds of assignments that God has for you. Amen. Let's stand together this morning. Praise the Lord. Man, now you know why I had to split that in two. Couldn't do it all last week. You'd have been there a long time. Would have been the longest sermon in Desert Stream history. Well, at least for me. I've, <laughs> I've had some other people, two hours or an hour and a half, not a problem. But for me, that would have been the longest one in history. You know, I just want to thank you for being here this morning. First of all, I want to say thank you to everybody who uh, tunes in and watches online. Could you let people know that they can be part of this, uh, either on Facebook or they can sign up for the YouTube channel? Um, you could help us a lot if you would sign up on YouTube. Uh, even if you are here every week, sign up on YouTube. You know why? Because when we get, uh, I think it's 100 people, then YouTube gives us a, uh, a platform in which to arrange and structure our stuff and we get our own address and that kind of stuff. And so I think we only need another 10 people or something like that when we reach that plateau. And then it, it gives us a lot more ability to market and to work with getting the word out, getting it out to people. Because at the end of the day, we do all this because we care about people. This isn't about making money. You know, so far, streaming has cost us money. It's not about making money. We're doing it because we want to encourage other people. We want to be a blessing. Amen? So uh, encourage people to get signed up. Encourage people to watch on Facebook or to watch on YouTube, uh, you know, to be part of it. And then encourage people to, you know, we can still take a few more people in here. I think we can take 115. So uh, we can still take a few more. I'm not sure what the attendance is today, but uh, we, can, we can still squeeze in a few more and still, you know, get separated and all that stuff. So anyway, we want you to know, my wife and I want to know that we love you. We think you are incredible people. We're blessed to do this journey with you. And we're privileged and honored to do life with you. And we, we are so privileged to be able to have that. And I know that not everybody's, you know, uh, like that with us. And, and, but we hope that you're developing other connections in the body that you're like that with because you need them. Amen? You need them. It's impossible for Terry and I to love all 300 people and to be connected with all 300 people exactly the same way but we care about all of you, and we do love all of you. We want you to be connected to others. We want you to be connected in the body. So seek those relationships out. Find a spiritual father and mother. Find spiritual brothers and sisters that will walk with you, and, and then find those that you can invest your life into as well. Amen? Father, I just thank you for this time together this morning, and I pray, Lord, that you would help us as the body of Christ to get these uh, alignments in our life right so that, Father, we would know to whom we've been called to do life with. And we would answer the question of alignment. And we would be so uh, invested in that before we are worried about assignment. And, God, that we would recognize that what you have for us to do will flow out of who you have us walk with. 
And Father, we thank you today that, Lord, the the revelation of connection in the body of Christ is here for us. And as we take hold of it, that, Lord, we will prosper. Father, we bless you today in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Don't forget, if you're watching online, you can click in right now. Pastor Mark's waiting for you in the Zoom room. And he'd love to spend some time with you, answer any questions, talk about this journey. God bless you and have an amazing week in Christ. Hey, everybody. Pastor Kevin Dowling here from Desert Stream. Just giving a shout out to you and saying thanks for joining us this week. We trust that you received something out of what was shared today, and we hope that it spoke to you and that it encouraged you in this season that we find ourselves in. You know, you could do us a big favor if you would just uh, share, uh, like, uh, subscribe to our YouTube channel. Let people know that there's a place that you found that you're getting an encouragement and hope each and every week. We hope you plan to check in with us next week, be a part of our expression again, and help spread the word that God is in control in the midst of this season. We love you.